Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's returning guest who appeared back in July 2021, so just uh, nearly a year ago, uh, which was episode 153. We have uh, Anthony Mileski, who's the chairman of Nickel 28, um, who are innovative battery metals focused investment vehicle, uh, focusing on the metal streaming and royalty agreements, offering uh, investors exposure to metal integral uh, to key technologies of obviously the electrical uh, electric vehicle and energy storage markets. Um, and Anthony's an entrepreneur with a background in finance and law, um, and he's here today to give us an update on Nickel 28, um, but also talk about what is happening in the world at the moment with Russia, China, um, and the markets, and how this is going to impact the global supply of materials for now and in the future. So that's welcome, Anthony, to the podcast. How are you doing, Anthony? Great. Thanks, Rob. I always appreciate uh, getting invited back on. So uh, thanks a lot for the invitation. I'm looking forward to catching up. Yeah, appreciate your time as well. I know how busy you are and you're off to PDAC next week. Unfortunately, I, unfortunately, I can't go because uh, of family commitments. Um, so yeah, really appreciate you um, taking the time out to uh, record this episode. So I wondered if you can just give us a quick snapshot um, of your background uh, for those that didn't listen to the previous podcast and who may want to also go back to listen to that episode. Um, just want to give us a quick snapshot of yourself um, and maybe even give us an update on Nickel 28 as well. Sure. I mean, I, I guess I would just characterize myself as an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, I've always enjoyed markets and thinking about investing. And, um, you know, early on, I started off uh, actually as a lawyer, interestingly. Um, working out of London and Moscow, working on commodities deals. They became fascinated with commodities markets, how they function, supply, demand dynamics, and, and ended up at a hedge fund. Um, and then later at a private equity firm before striking out on my own to create companies and invest in you know, metals that are related to energy transition. And, and really that's a range of metals, uh, whether that's copper for electric vehicles or nickel and cobalt for batteries. You know, with the idea that when you have a new technology, uh, a new demand come into a given commodity, you see a complete structural change in, in that commodity and there's opportunities. And, and, you know, we see that today with copper, with nickel, with cobalt, uh, with lithium. And so it's an exciting time for those, those metals in the same way that, you know, a decade or more ago, China came in and built their infrastructure. Well, that was a great time for iron ore and coal. So we're seeing that same type of opportunity. And you know, what we're focused on at Nickel 28 is really nickel and cobalt. Uh, we're the largest producer of MHP in the world, mixed hydroxide, which is uh, a form of nickel. And uh, you know, we've had a, a run of great quarters here with our production numbers at over 100% of nameplate capacity. And um, you know, I think if you look months, what we're really focused on is paying back uh, the debt that we took out to, to help build that mine. And when that's repaid, it'll generate a pretty material amount of cash that 
we hope to dividend back to shareholders. So it's an exciting time. It's kind of one of those times now where you just grind it away um, as a shareholder waiting for that repayment. Uh, management's focused on, on making sure that those operations continue. And uh, we kind of look forward to the next 18 months. So uh, it's a great time to be in nickel, as you know. Yeah. Um, I suppose since we last spoke just over or nearly a year ago, what challenges have you had with your with your business? Yeah, the same, I think the same challenges that every business has had. You know, you look at the global supply chain and the commodities business, you're shipping commodities. And so um, you look at all of those issues that came up. I think in particular for nickel, we had this crazy incident on the LME where there's a huge open interest short. And in fact, just I think yesterday or the day before, a bunch of funds sued the LME. Um, you know, you had these open interest shorts and um, they canceled trades and it's just kind of this huge debacle. And that has really um, shocked the nickel market because until that moment, you know, all contracts had some reference to the LME nickel price. And I don't think that's going to be the case going forward. I think you're going to try to see people move away from the LME because of the way they handled that. Of course, you know, I don't know exactly what that's going to mean yet, but that's a pretty dramatic moment, maybe one of the most dramatic moments in the history of the LME, really, um, besides a couple others that were with TIN and so on in the 80s. How do you see the outlook for the remainder of the year going into next year with some of these energy uh, energy and battery metals, like you said, nickel, zinc, um, copper, etc.? How do you see each one playing out over the course of this yeah. year, especially with what's obviously going on in the world? It's a bit tricky. Um, if you think about, in particular, um, say the one the metals that are related to electric vehicles, you know, China's locked down right now, and you know automobile sales are down, and those automobiles include electric vehicles. And so, you know, I, I would think that you know the market might be soft, um, you know, until really the entire world is back online and kind of operating at, at, at a normal or a new normal. I think I think it's um, it's possible that you just see weakness in a bunch of these commodities now. I think that's short-lived, uh, in particular for China. Um, I'm not so sure they're going to take the same path as the West, which is trying to harness in inflation through rate hikes. Instead, you know, China, you might actually see stimulus to try to stimulate growth inside of their economy. And you know, historically, that's been through infrastructure. But um, in the last number of years, they've been doing that through green energy. So you know, if that stimulus comes about, then it could be pretty material for battery, you know, battery metals and, and really energy transition metals. How How is the war in Ukraine? Obviously, as we're recording this, is, um, and in case people see this in years to come, obviously, what what is the war or how is the war in Ukraine uh, impacting uh, global commodity markets at the moment as you see it? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, in terms of the actual specific commodities being impacted in Ukraine, grain is actually one of the largest ones impacted and. Um, you know, in the West, that probably just means your loaf of bread costs 50% more. But in Africa, it might mean that you don't have enough grain or, you know, there are allegations now that Russia is actually stealing the grain to sell it. So um, in terms of the actual physical production of materials, I'm, I'm not sure it's so great other than some of the soft commodities. However, where, where it really matters uh, are around the sanctions. So, you know, you see Western Europe and the U.S. sanctioning oil and, and you have conversations around gas. By the way, a large percentage of the world's nickel is produced in, in Russia. And so, you know, what it's really done is it's disrupted a bunch of these commodity markets and uh, changed the flow of metals as well.
Uh, you're not going to see Norilsk potentially selling to U.S. battery makers or super alloy makers. So it's highly disruptive, but not necessarily on the production side, just as much as the, how the sanctions impact on companies really being able to buy it. And again, I read stories around um, the Russian ruble is now backed by gold. Again, how how is how will that affect affect? Yeah, I think it's a little more nuanced. I read these stories too. Um, you know, and I think the one thing you have to remember is that it's not convertible anymore. So, yeah, like while you see that ruble strengthening, I'm not, I'm not sure that's not being artificially propped up because I don't know how convertible that kind of currency is. Um, it'd be interesting to understand that a little bit better, the liquidity there, because um, clearly what they're trying to do, of course, is take away the dollar as a weapon. I mean, you've seen the U.S. weaponize the dollar and you saw what happened with SWIFT or seizing Russian assets abroad, all of which have pretty crippling uh, effects. And I think if you're sitting in Iran and North Korea and China and really anywhere uh, outside of maybe Western Europe and Canada, you're probably thinking, you know, we need to do something different. And, and so probably one of the effects of this um, that's material over the next decade is uh, competitors to SWIFT are going to emerge. They've already emerged. They exist, but they're going to start to really uh, be relevant, you know, inside of Asia, Russia, China, they'll use a different swap lines. They won't use SWIFT. Um, all the former Soviet Union countries will will use the Russian equivalent of SWIFT. You know, China has a, a system. So that's a, that's a longer term consequence. But I think you will definitely see uh, competition with the U.S. dollar. And, that, you know, really, it makes sense. If you think about it, this hegemony, this world that we lived in is really that post-World War II world and that generation is passing and you know there's not a lot of people left from that generation and so i think what this war has done is hastened kind of that i wouldn't call it the end of that era but the beginning of something new and different and probably uh more volatile as uh the world goes from a unipolar world to really a world that has to share power between china and america at the very least um you know another thing i think we've seen here with the war is that Russia is just a country with nuclear weapons, not not really any particularly powerful military. I don't think anyone is really afraid of the Russian military anymore. I think they're scared of the nuclear weapons, but but you know that probably means that uh, Russia is not going to be able to take its place at the table like it wants to, just really because of its showing in Ukraine. So I think there are a bunch of consequences, you know, that ultimately all have maybe a really material impact on metals and mining. Because does it mean that regulators in in Canada and the U.S. Uh, are more apt to help mining companies permit and build projects. It's something they haven't done in a generation now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that happens as a result of all this. Um, obviously, you mentioned supply chains earlier. Um, obviously, they've been. How, how have they been affected from your perspective? Um, and what is the solution to improve these moving forward? Well, they were impacted. It was like you know, half the world's cargo containers were sitting in. LA and nothing, the cargo ships weren't going back. Cause I mean, this just had this huge disruption. So that, that, that's short term. I mean, that gets worked out. Uh, I think the longer term kind of fix here is probably deglobalization, um, which is to say that uh, certain types of production maybe move back to the markets. You know, you have more injection molding, you have more of these things happening um, on the periphery of the big cities in the US and the West. Uh, just simply as a hedge against these type of events. 
Yeah, so bringing obviously manufacturing back into your own country as a, as opposed to always necessarily relying on China and some of the Asian countries that I take it everyone started buying their goods and service or goods um, because it was a lot cheaper. And now obviously it seems to be bringing, bringing those services and manufacturing services back into your own country. Yeah, that's right. Um, obviously we have high inflation at the moment and it's obviously increasing throughout the world. Um, but what, what's about China? Um, and obviously their lockdowns, as you mentioned, how how's that going to impact the markets? Well, if you, you would think there would be a big demand shock, you know, like everyone's sitting in their house, no one's using any commodities. So, you know, and this kind of plays into my thinking that uh, at least in the short term, we could see weakness in commodities before they rip much higher. You know, it could be kind of a false sell-off as it were. So um, yeah, if people aren't doing anything other than sitting in their house, uh, they're not consuming commodities. So I would see this as being short-term kind of a challenge for or a headwind for commodities, but uh, I think the other side of it comes pretty quick. Um, will these uh, geopolitical events mean that more mines um, in Canada and the US get funded, and I suppose elsewhere around the world? It should. I don't know if it will. Um, you know, the the one thing people forget is it takes seven to fourteen years to build one of these mines, one of these big mines. And it just is a long, arduous process. And, uh, you know, the way the capital markets are structured, the money is very short term and it's it's tricky. Um, you would hope that it would happen. You would hope there'd be tax incentives, but I've not seen that that's happening yet. And do you, uh, I mean, do you think governments will get more involved with the mining industry? I mean, obviously, they they are... Obviously, they do get involved in obviously uh, not necessarily funding, but putting regulation in place. Do you think over time, because of they will see the shortage of certain commodities, that there will be those incentives will will increase? Yeah, I mean, we saw Cameco buying four million pounds of uranium out of North America. You know, you know the headline yesterday, um, which will date this podcast, but but um, you know they're going to have to uh, just the way the world is going and with the focus on Africa that China's had. So they're going to have to. Uh, I don't know if they're doing it yet, but they're going to have to if they want to secure their supply chain of basic materials. Yeah. Um, what other sort of issues or challenges do you see that could emerge um, over the course of this year and maybe even going to next year that will affect, I suppose, the, the mining industry as a whole? But yeah, the biggest one is lack of capital. You know, so here we are. Big sell-off in the market, you know. Um, no one's raising any money. So you know, any of these stories that, that wanted to raise money to build something, I just aren't going to do that. So once again, it just kind of kicks that can down the down the street, as it were. And so, you know, I think you just see a lack of funding. Uh, do you do you also see projects, more projects emerging over the over the course of this year? Obviously, there's no, no, because we, we've, we've not had an exploration cycle. I mean, there have been almost, yeah. you know, let's talk about what new discoveries there have been. I mean, almost none. There have been redrilling old discoveries. So, so you know, we're not replacing the pounds or the tons in the ground. And, uh, you know, someday people will look back at this as a pretty irresponsible time. You know, there's only so much copper. There's only so, you know, there's only so many, much of this to go around. And, um, you know, we need to think about that and then utilize these resources in, in a way with recycling and oh, sorry about that, 
and just in a way that makes a little bit more sense than we have been. Sorry about that. Um, and so I, I think um, that that's important to maybe start to think about that more. Yeah. Obviously, there seems to be an increase in capital within the exploration space over the last few years, obviously, probably a few years too late. But obviously, moving forward, do you see more and more money going into exploration or do you just see it being pretty steady? I see, I see, yeah, yeah, I see no money going into exploration right now. I mean, there needs to be more money, but, but you know, the market has sold off. Um, it's a risk off. I don't, it's, you know, inflation, the multiples have come out, you know, the S&P and the NASDAQ. So yeah, it's hard to see that that's going to happen. So, you know, it, it, it probably just builds to the next big cycle, right? Yeah. And where would you say we we are in the cycle at the moment? Well, you know, unlike, say, the super cycle, which was driven by China, I think now they're going to have kind of a bunch of smaller cycles around specific metals, like energy transition or, you know, whatever it is. So I don't see one big cycle, but more specific cycles for specific metals based on demand from technology or EVs or batteries or whatever it is. And what would you, so obviously with the energy and battery metals that you're involved with, where do you see, what what, what life cycles are they in? So if you look at obviously zinc. Well, uh, like take nickel. I mean, take nickel is a way of example. You know, it's, it's a multi-billion dollar enterprise to build a nickel mine. And there's no large scale nickel mines being built outside of Indonesia, which is really China's supply. So um, we all kind of agree that we're going to need more nickel here and the mines aren't being built. So. There are projects identified. I mean, there are projects that can be built. So I um, I think copper is in a similar spot. So I think you're not seeing the commitments to build the mines yet. Um, last couple of questions. What's the outlook for the remainder of the year and going into next year for Nickel 28? Yeah, look, I, I think uh, our next big catalyst is the repayment of debt, which is still, you know, probably 18 months away. Um, and so for us, it's just continuing to produce nickel, sell that nickel and, and move forward. You know, this is just a time where we have to do that. There's not going to be a lot of flashy news. You know, it's going to be around quarterlies and updates around production. And lastly, is there anything else that you want to add? Obviously, we've spoken about obviously some of the energy uh, and battery metals and obviously talk about Russia, China. Is there any sort of conclusion that you want to, or anything else that you want to add? Yeah, I mean, I think over the next decade, the most interesting thing are environmental commodities. You know, whether that's carbon credits, methane, um, green hydrogen, you know, there's a bunch of them. I mean, I think this is an emerging, uh, interesting sector and something that I'm kind of thinking about and looking at. So, uh, you know, it's worth uh, worth chatting about that sometime. Yeah, certainly. Well, more welcome to come back on the podcast later this year or next year. Uh, once you've got some more news and some other angles that you may be looking at. Um, so really appreciate your time, Anthony. If our audience wants to reach out to you, got any questions, how can they go about doing that? And obviously your social think, media. Yeah, tw- yeah, Twitter is probably the best platform to do it on. Just you can Google me on Twitter and find me. Yeah, we'll include those in the show notes as well, accompanying this. So um, really appreciate your time. Um, and those that are listening, uh, appreciate your continued support. Appreciate if you can uh, um, share this episode with others, friends, family, in uh, others in the industry, ex-colleagues, colleagues, etc. Um, obviously, get the get the word out. So, until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. 
Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.